0: He is risen, yes, he is risen indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, while we're not together physically, we do rejoice that we can share in this time together over the internet. We have a wonderful service planned for you today that includes some updates, that includes some prayer, some inspiring worship, and then a message from God's word. But before we begin, let's give one another an Easter greeting. Hello from Bill and Nancy. We hope you're doing well
1: and we're doing well.
2: And we're hoping you're feeling tucked under God's wings. This is a special verse we just read yesterday. Maybe you know it, but we didn't.
3: The Lord of heaven's armies will hover over you and protect you like a bird hovers over and protects its nest. That's what we're praying you're feeling. From
4: Isaiah. Hey everybody, hello from the Baumitz family. Where's the camera? <laughs> the, camera's right there. the kids are on the other side it's of the camera. Gary and Amy
1: Baumitz and Whitney and Zella sleeping above us. We do have a monitor. We are hanging out in our oasis. Can't wait to be together again.
4: Mm-hmm. We miss everybody. Um, how about something we're grateful for? Whitney, is there something you're grateful for right now? Daddy, probably. Hmm. We're really grateful for all the family time, but we do miss our church family, so we're grateful for technology, too.
0: Hi, my name is Mike Maney. I'm just saying hi to the church family. I really miss you all, and time that we get to fellowship together and just wish you all well and hope that you stay healthy. And it's just kind of a neat way of getting together to do it. So at least we're still doing church. We haven't stopped doing that. So I appreciate all the efforts that everybody's been doing it hello i'm bob and this is my wife melissa and we're the warners and we've been attending uh the tlefc since 2001.
2: and we're really happy to be here we live in downtown three lakes and um, good to see you all today hi we're the mauler wines i'm rich
4: i'm colette i'm evie i'm maddie good to see everybody
0: yeah good seeing you all again (laughs)
5: <laughs> my name's Karen Patterson. I'm married to him.
2: <laughs> I'm Mark Patterson. We're the treasures of the church. Um,
5: you miss everybody? Yeah. I love that the snow is melting because I'm going to get my garden going here pretty soon. We hope you all are hanging in. Uh, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day. And it made me, rem- it reminded me of what Noah's family must have felt on that boat for 40 days and 40 nights in a stinking zoo. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> we're not doing that. We can do this. We love you guys. We miss seeing you. Yep. Have a good Easter.
1: <laughs> well, happy Easter from the Stuarts. I'm uh, Ian Stewart. I'm the Youth and Family Pastor at Three Lakes E Free. And this is my wife, Cammie. And we're... Um, we're just excited for Easter and spring, and we just wanted to greet you guys and hope you're all safe.
5: We miss you.
1: I'm Jim Gall, elder of
2: the church, and this is my mother. Oh, Joanne Gall. Her name is. <laughs> I just refer to as mother. That's uh, mom. Yep we're we're doing fine. Playing a lot of crossword. What word search and Sudoku puzzles. So.
6: And canasta.
2: And canasta. I'm not as good at Canast anymore because my hands shake too much. So I can't hold the cards as good. So. We play one hand and then we're done.
0: <laughs> and we watch Scott on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, good sermon.
0: I'm Kevin Hagen.
1: I'm doing okay.
0: Do you miss anybody?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Me. <laughs>
6: Hello, we're the coaches, and uh, we were out for a ride and a run, and just wanted to say hi, greetings, stay safe, have fun, and we'll see you guys in a few weeks when
1: this is all over.
0: So, we are so glad that you've tuned in, and we trust that our time together will be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we join our hearts together today rejoicing in the truth and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would receive our worship, our praise, and our sacrifice of love to you as we give this time over to you. Speak to us through your Holy Spirit. Lift our hearts and our spirits and encourage us with the reality of Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, living within each one of us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
6: Well, good morning, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. It is good to be here on Easter Sunday to worship with you. And uh, we're all just worshiping from our homes this Sunday. Um, is, I'm glad I was able to join. And um, we're just going to sing a few worship songs this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 15. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. Let us sing together King of Kings.
2: the Father praise the Son praise the Praise the sun, praise the breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who would come to the father I restored And the church of Christ was born Then the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel, shall not fade By His blood and by His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit.
6: John 11, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?
2: Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed you. Bye.
6: just worship you on this day that we remember your resurrection and the power that you displayed because from the beginning of time to the end, you have always been the great I am. We worship you.
2: Wanna be close, close to your side, so heaven is real alive. I want to hear voices of angels above. Sing Majesty. there is no power in hell or ever-
1: Lake Evangelical Free Church. Uh, my name is Tim Buyer. This is my wife, Vanessa. Uh, we're just excited to have this opportunity to introduce ourselves to you. I um, mean, along with the two of us in our family, we have three daughters. We have Adelia, who is five, Evelyn, who is three, and Isla, who is seven months old. I was born in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, I lived there with my parents and my two younger siblings until I went off to college at the University of Wisconsin Eau Claire and while I was there I majored in elementary education but far more important than what I majored in um, at Eau Claire I met the two most important people in my life I met Vanessa while I was there and I also met Jesus while I was there and I met both of them through a campus ministry called the Navigators and I really hope in the weeks and the months ahead to have more opportunity to share with you about the work God did in my life during those crucial college years and forming both my faith and in drawing Vanessa and I closer together. And I hope to have a chance to hear stories of the way that God has worked in your lives as well. Um, but for now, I'm going to let Vanessa tell you a little bit about herself, um, and then we'll both each share a little bit about what draws us to Three Lake Evangelical Free Church.
4: Well, hi. Um, like Tim said, we met in college and we've been married for, it'll be 11 years this summer. And a little bit about me, I also earned a degree in elementary education. And I taught for a couple of years before our daughter Adelia was born. And now I have my dream job of stay at home mom. So as far as what drew me to Three Lakes, I think the biggest thing is of course the church, you guys. So I don't need a huge network of people and activities, just some deep authentic relationships. So I think I would adjust pretty easily to living in a smaller town, even though I grew up in the Twin Cities. The amount of outdoor activities that are readily available is a draw for me as well. And I actually grew up in a free church, so it's exciting to picture us being in that denomination long term. And I will say (laughs) there's one drawback to moving to Wisconsin for me, and that's, I might have to admit that Tim was right all these years and Wisconsin is better than Minnesota.
1: So as Vanessa said, we're very excited about the possibility of coming to Three Legs for me to be your next senior pastor. Um, and only really from the moment I became aware of your search for a senior pastor, it has stood out to me as an opportunity um, that could be a good fit for both our family and for my ministry style. Over the past eight years or so, That was going to seminary and now I've been for the last three years working in a church as an associate pastor. God has used our experiences, um, just some wise mentors in my life to help me see just the type of setting that I'm best equipped to minister effectively in. And One of the things that has become clear through that process is that I'm really drawn towards ministering in a, a smaller town. God's really created in me a desire to put down deep roots in a place where we can know and be known by those around us in, in meaningful ways. And I've just gotten the sense um, through the process that both the town of Three Lakes and Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church are places where that could really happen. And i have also really drawn to Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church's your vision statement, uh, your desire to desire to be intentional and missional and and simple and irresistible I feel value joy really mesh well with what I believe to be the most effective way for the church to carry out its mission in the midst of a broken world um, so we're we're delighted to be at this stage in the process with you um, and even in the midst of these unique and uncertain times we are, we're excited about the future that God has for us and for Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. So we look forward to meeting you all in person someday, hopefully, hopefully soon. But yeah. um, in the meantime, just know that we are praying for you. We're excited about the future holds for us. Um, yeah. God bless.
4: Bye.
0: As we enter into our time of prayer this morning, be encouraged by the words of the psalmist from Psalm nine. He writes. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion, proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. These are wonderful verses for us as we continue to face the uncertainty and the difficulties of the time in which we are living. As I join in prayer, as I begin to pray through this passage, Um, I will then offer you opportunities to pray in your homes, in your small groups, in your families, um, and then we'll uh, conclude our time of prayer uh, with uh, a concluding prayer. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father in heaven, we are so glad today that you reign forever and that you have established your throne in heaven. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you, that you are a refuge for the oppressed, that you are a stronghold in times of trouble. We know, Lord, that you are one who remembers, does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. And, Father, you respond to our prayers as we come before you humbly in prayer. So Lord, now as we join together in prayer in our homes, in our small groups, hear our prayers as we lift our voices to you. Let's begin by praying prayers of um, intercession for those in our church, as well as for those in our community and nation, even around the world, who might be suffering. Let's begin with prayers for those who are personally experiencing or maybe experiencing the effects of this coronavirus. Please conclude your thoughts and prayer. Now let's pray for those who are suffering from other sicknesses, other injuries, recovering from surgeries, dealing with emotional stress, hardship, spiritual oppression. Let's pray for one another, for God's grace and strength to be ours. conclude your prayers and now let's pray for those who are suffering because of their testimonies of Jesus, the persecuted church those who are boldly standing for Christ and paying a price for their love for him conclude your prayers and now please pray for our church as we contemplate how to bring Pastor Tim and Vanessa to our congregation as our pastoral candidate be assured that our pastoral search team is meeting together regularly and that we will give you updates on our plans Let's pray for God's grace and wisdom to be upon our leaders. conclude your prayers as we conclude our time of prayer this morning may I say on behalf of our church leaders how much we appreciate your faithfulness in giving we encourage you to continue in your discipline of giving knowing that this is part of a Christian life and that God will honor your sacrifice, your joy, and your generosity as you give unto the Lord's work. You can access our webpage, you can give us a text, or you can send your contribution through the mail. Let's pray and thank God for the privilege we have to give. Lord, now we give over to you ourselves, our worship, in the expression of our love, in giving, and in sacrificing, and in serving. Lord, continue to encourage us and provide for us. May the gospel go forth from Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: So I'm going to sing In Christ Alone. Feel free to sing with me. Come. The man's my day.
0: the time when Christians celebrate the bodily resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think about history, for thousands of years there's been a desire and a hunger to know about life after death. So thoughts of resurrection are not unusual, but the story of the resurrection of Jesus is unusual. In fact, it's the most unique resurrection story in all of religious, all of philosophical, and all of mythological thought. There are resurrection stories. Some of them have to do with the changing of the seasons and are connected with spiritism, naturalism, and even the occult. But none of them talk about the resurrection of the body. Greek philosophy considered the body a prison of the soul. And so they looked for a way for the soul to be freed from the body. And so in their resurrection thoughts, there is no physical resurrection. Eastern religion, Buddhism and Hinduism and Jainism and Sikhism, they created this idea of an endless cycle of birth, death, And then reincarnation, where in a person's life, they accumulate karma, either good karma or bad karma. And then in their reincarnation in their next life, they live the consequences of either their good or their bad karma. And this reincarnation is a cycle that goes on and on and on and on until someone who might be fortunate enough to reach the spiritual state of nirvana, which states that a person then can escape this cycle and transcend into the eternal state. But this is, in their view, only a spiritual state, has nothing to do with the physical. Some Old Testament Jewish scholars from Jesus' day rejected the idea of the resurrection. One group is the Sadducees. And I think we can know why they get their name, because they don't believe in the resurrection, so they're sad, you see. <laughs> now, I know you probably saw that one coming. But there was another group of Old Testament scholars, and they were from the group of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees did believe in a bodily resurrection. But their resurrection was only a resurrection of the body that's the same kind of body. Nothing like the transformed body that we have in Christian thought. Let me give you a summary of the Christian thought of the resurrection from the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's where Paul says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And then he continues, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Nowhere else is there an account of a literal person who died and came back to life in a transformed body, never to die again. And the union of Christian believers with Jesus gives us the assurance, just as Jesus was raised physically and eternally, so we too will rise physically and eternally. Paul talks about the first fruits from the dead. Now let's talk about what he means. He's the first one to die, and the first one to be raised, never to die again. He's the first one to be raised to physical and spiritual immortality. To be first means that there must be others. Think of a race. What does it mean to finish a race first? Well, it means that there were other people in the race and the one who who finished first was first among others. If there were no other people in the race, he would just finish. But this idea of finishing first necessitates that there are others. Jesus being the first fruits from the dead implies that there are others who will be risen from the dead. So to say that Jesus is first fruits reminds us that there are others who will follow, (laughs) and that's us. Among religious thought and philosophical thought and mythological thought, there is nothing like the resurrection of Jesus and its direct impact on those who follow him. But what if it could be demonstrated that the resurrection of Jesus never really happened. What if the early Christians accomplished a magnificent hoax? What if the early church was sold a bill of goods and fell into treacherous lies? What if the Christian faith, a faith that exploded in the Roman Empire and now encompasses roughly one-third of the world's population, A faith for which thousands have been martyred. A faith that continues to grow at an exponential rate. What if our Christian faith really is just some fanciful aspiration of people looking for a way to satisfy their desire for a hope in the afterlife? Well, today I'm going to suggest three considerations that resolve these what-ifs and demonstrate that instead of the resurrection of Jesus being a hoax, they will demonstrate that it is a historical reality. First, consider the empty tomb. Please open your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel in chapter 27. Here we see the account of the resurrection of Jesus and the empty tomb. Consider, first of all, that Jesus, in fact, died. Now, think about a person who is suffering crucifixion on the cross. This is a person whose hands are spread apart and whose muscles are completely fatigued. Probably the joints in his shoulders are out of joint. And as he suffers on the cross, he begins to sag And as he begins to sag, his chest rises up against his windpipe, and he's not able to get a full breath. And then his blood gets more and more polluted with carbon dioxide until finally he pushes up on the nails in his foot to get a breath. But the pain in his feet is so immense that he only can breathe for a little while, and then he slumps back down again. And this pattern happens over and over and over again with someone who is being crucified. The Apostle John tells us that uh, the Jews requested that all of those who are being crucified with Jesus be taken down off the crosses before Passover started. And so the soldiers would go around to these victims and they would break their legs. And when they had break their legs, they could no longer raise himself up, and take a breath, which would then make their death become more quick. But when they got to Jesus, John says, he was already dead. So they did not break his legs. Not only was Jesus, in fact, dead, but he was, in fact, buried. Look at Matthew 26, beginning with verse 62. Excuse me, verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that had been cut out of the rock he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. John also tells us that Joseph was accompanied by Nicodemus, who Jesus earlier met in the evening and talking about the importance of being born again. And John tells us that Nicodemus brought with him over a 100 pounds of burial spices. Now, these spices were... Um, anoint, were, were put on the body as it was wrapped, so they would wrap a wrapping around Jesus, they 'd put burial spices on it, they 'd wrap some more, put more burial spices on it. and these burial spices, scholars believe, were some type of a combination, a mixture, a paste. And so, when these wrappings came around Jesus' body, this paste would cause the wrappings to adhere one to another. And when they dried, they would form uh, some type of a of, of a encasing around the body. And then the tomb was secured with a a sealing, which means that on one side of the of the tomb there was a seal attaching a cord to the rock. Then they would stretch that cord around the rock, and then they would seal and attach that cord to the other side. That would then prevent anybody from being able to roll the stone back, steal the body, and put the stone back in its place. Uh, Jesus, in fact, was buried. And there was a regiment of trained soldiers... Who were assigned to guard the tomb at the risk of their own lives if anything would happen to the body. But here's what happened. Despite the fact that we know that Jesus was dead, despite the fact that we know that he was buried, on Easter morning, the tomb was empty. Listen to the words of Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, Come, see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see him. Well, when these ladies, when these women went and told the disciples, John's gospel tells us that Peter and John decided to go check it out for themselves. They kind of had a race between them to see who could get there more quickly, and John won that race. And when he got there, he saw the stone rolled away, and so he stopped and stooped down to look inside. But, of course, Peter, that wouldn't be good enough. When Peter came, he went inside the tomb and he looked around. And probably he saw the clothes and the encasing of the wrappings and the headdressing still in their place where Jesus would laid, but no Jesus. For certain, Jesus was not there. And here's another reason why we know that the tomb was empty. Listen to the story of what happened to the guards Matthew 28, beginning with verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened, how Jesus was not in the tomb. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this report gets to the governor, which would be their death sentence, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. If the soldiers went and reported that the tomb was empty, the tomb was empty. Well, Nobody could give an explanation. And if they wanted to debunk this story, there's a real easy way to do it. Just produce the body. Just get the body of Jesus, display it publicly, let everybody see it, and that's the end of it. But they could not produce the body because he was risen. The tomb was empty. The second consideration to debunk the what-ifs of the skeptics is this. Consider the appearances of Jesus after he rose from the dead. Here we turn to the Gospel of Luke and to the Gospel of John. The first account of the appearance of Jesus to the disciples was as two of the inner circle were on the road to Emmaus, traveling from jerusalem to emmaus and as they were traveling they began to talk about the events that happened over the weekend and then a stranger came and joined them and asked them what are you guys talking about and they turned to him and said are you the only one in jerusalem that hasn't heard this weekend the prophet jesus of nazareth who we thought was going to be the messiah was crucified And now this morning we have some women who are coming to us with this story that he's risen from the dead and and we're all wondering what's going on. And so this stranger, from memory, opened up the scriptures to them and began to explain from the Old Testament how the Messiah was to be uh, crucified and to suffer and to be buried and to rise again on the third day so as they walked they talked with this stranger and then they came to an establishment where they could eat some lunch and they said "Will you please come and stay with us and keep talking with us and so the stranger agreed and when they had ordered their bread the stranger took the bread and he broke it exposing his wrists and at that moment they believed they knew it was jesus and when they knew it was Jesus, they got up from the table and they ran back to Jerusalem and they found the, uh, the group of disciples and they entered the room and they said, He is risen. And the response was, He is risen indeed. You see, Luke 24 is where we get our Easter greeting. And then the disciples got together and they began to discuss all the circumstances, the testimony of the women, the testimony of Peter and John, and they began to have it sink in that Jesus rose from the dead. But that wasn't enough for Jesus. He personally came into that room. And the Bible tells us in Luke 24, verses 36 to 49, that he entered into the room and appeared to the disciples himself. Now, at the first time he did that, Thomas wasn't present. And so because Thomas wasn't present, Jesus came a second time to this group and appeared to them specifically for Thomas and said, Thomas, put your hand in my wrist and in my side and believe that I am risen from the dead. And Thomas's famous response, my Lord and my God. But that's not the only time that he appeared to the disciples. John 21 tells us that Peter and James and John were out fishing. And there was somebody on the seashore. He called out to them and he said, Hey guys, have you caught anything? And they said, No, we've been fishing all night and haven't had anything. And the person on the shore says, Cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And when they did... Their nets were filled with fish so much that their nets were breaking. And at that point, Peter looked and he said, it's the Lord. And so he jumped in the water and swam to the shore while his partners brought this great catch of fish into the shoreline. And when they all got together, uh, Jesus had already started a fire, was cooking fish and bread, and they sat down together. And the disciples must have been struck with awe when Jesus took the fish and began to eat. The bodily resurrection of Jesus. And then look at chapter 28, beginning with verse 16. Back in Matthew's gospel. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had said for them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, when Jesus appeared to them and gave them their great commission, and then finally, the final appearance is to the apostle Paul, and he records that in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. He said, beginning with verse three. For what I received, I passed on to you as the as of the first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and least of all, he appeared to me also." as to one abnormally born. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all written roughly 20 to 30 years after Jesus' death. And if these events, if these appearances were not true, there was plenty of time for them to be cornered, to be interrogated, and to get the truth out of them. But that didn't happen because their testimony remained true. He appeared to all of them. The writing of Simon Greenleaf is a very famous writing, uh, the eminent professor of law at Harvard University. And he wrote a treatise uh, on uh, the laws of evidence. And it's still a treatise that is uh, used at Harvard today to help lawyers train on how to evaluate evidence, the evidence of personal testimonies. And here's what he writes. Quote, to have persisted in so gross a falsehood after it was known to them was not only to encounter for life all the evils which man could inflict from without, but to endure also the pangs of inward conscious guilt with no hope of future peace, no testimony of a good conscience, no expectation of honor or esteem among men, no hope of happiness in this life or in the world to come. Such conduct in the apostles would, moreover, have been utterly irreconcilable with the fact that they possessed the ordinary constitution of our common nature. Yet their lives do show them to have been men like all others of our race, swayed by the same motives, animated by the same hopes, affected by the same joys, subdued by the same sorrows, agitated by the same fears, and subject to the same passions, temptations, and infirmities as ourselves. And their writings show them to have been men of vigorous understanding. If their testimony was not true, there was no possible motive for its fabrication. That's how you evaluate a court of law, testimony so consider the tomb was empty and consider the verified testimonies of people to whom jesus appeared after his death third consider the transformed lives of the disciples the disciples were cowards when jesus was crucified the bible tells us that they all left him Peter did venture into the courtyard where Jesus was being tried, but when he was accosted by a lowly servant girl, he cowered in fear, and in fact, he denied that he even knew Jesus. Three times after the crucifixion, the disciples hid together behind closed doors in fear of the Jews. But three days later, everything changed. Three days later, they were filled with joy and gladness. Three days later, they glowed with hope. Three days later, they demonstrated courage. And in a short 40 days, these same disciples, these same apostles were boldly standing before the very court that condemned Jesus to death, testifying of his resurrection and of the power for him to change their lives. They were transformed, even willing to die for the gospel, and they did. There are testimonies of thousands, if not millions, who have had similar transforming personal encounters with Jesus. So was the resurrection an incredibly cruel hopes? Consider the empty tomb. Consider the appearance of the risen Jesus to thousands of people, hundreds of people, and consider the transformed lives of the disciples. Now, there will always be skeptics. Each time they hear the gospel, their hearts will become a little bit more hardened. And we saw this this week with many. Pilate, he had a personal experience He had a personal meeting with Jesus where Jesus talked to him about truth and explained to him about his power. And Pilate put upon the cross above him the king of the Jews. And when the Jews came and asked him to take it down, he very stubbornly said, what I have written, I have written, as if to cynically say, the king of the Jews. Then there were the religious leaders who continued to taunt and persecute and disbelieve. And then, of course, there's Judas who experienced immediate judgment for his hardness of heart. Overwhelmed with guilt, he refused to repent and went out and hanged himself. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that skeptics will either think the gospel is foolishness or they will respond in anger, self-defense, and persecution. But others who hear the gospel, their hearts will be warmed. Their hearts will be softened. Their hearts will respond in worship. When they hear the gospel, their hearts will will be drawn to the Savior. Like the woman who anointed Jesus with oil in preparation for his burial. Like the disciples who, when their eyes were opened to understand the truth of Jesus' mission of peace, the peace with God that comes by grace in the King who reigns in the hearts of those who accept him and his terms, they became his his faithful, Dedicated witnesses. So on this Easter celebration, I pray that you will accept the invitation first given by Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times, but who was graciously restored to ministry by the grace of Jesus when he writes this. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Do not harden your hearts to the gospel. Open your hearts and respond to Jesus, that times of refreshing may come. And for those who are following the risen Christ, we have a promise of some really, really good news. And that comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself the God of peace sanctify you through and through and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) We will see Jesus again on this earth. If we're alive at that time, we'll see him coming in the clouds as he said. And we'll see him coming, riding on the clouds. We'll see him coming at the trumpet sound And Paul then tells us this promise. Chapter 5, verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Boy, that's the good news of Resurrection Sunday. So let's rejoice in the fact that he is risen. Yes, he has risen indeed. God bless you is our prayer.
3: A little over 2,000 years ago, The Lord Jesus Christ came, humble, mounted on a donkey. He rode into Jerusalem. A few days later, he was led to his crucifixion, to death on a cruel cross. He broke the bonds of sin, death, and darkness, and bought with his blood a people. To be a kingdom and priests unto our God. Him we declare. Brothers and sisters, Him we proclaim. For He promised to come back. This time, this time, all eyes will see Him. For He will come riding on the clouds of glory. Your servant David Rebuilding the temple of praise.